Good morning, all of you fabulous friends, fiends, and fever dreams. This is Emily with your full scream ahead bonus episode. I am here alone today. Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, just in case you hear any background noise, I have my window open just enjoying that nice spring weather. Two weeks a year we get spring in Las Vegas. It's so nice before, you know, you can bake cookies inside of your car. Um, yeah, it, it's just a beautiful day. So I'm going to sit here, sip my coffee and, and let's, let's just have a little, a little chat. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you're probably noticing we didn't have an episode last week and that was entirely unplanned. Um, unfortunately me and Cassie both got really busy in our personal lives and I was actually really sick for a couple days there. Like I actually had to skip out a day of work and it was just, it was no fun. Um, and I didn't want to rush editing that episode. And, um, I just wanted to make sure that I can make it the best that I could for you, but I didn't want to have you wait a week for an episode just to tune in to hear. You're going to be waiting again for the next episode because we are taking a short little break. We love this podcast. We love doing this podcast and I think we're going to do it for a while, but it is a lot of work and we are very busy people. So we are going to take a short sort of mid-season break. So if you're listening to this when this episode comes out, our next full-length episode is going to come out on April 17th. So we're going to get this episode today, Watch Your House Part 2, and then we're not going to have an episode next week. And then on the 17th of April, we'll be getting a new full-length episode. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this little bonus episode, just so, you know, we can still hang out. We can still chat. We still get to have a little bit of fun. So today we're going to do a short little episode. Um, I'm going to call this the astrology of a serial killer. So I actually got to work with a really cool fiber seller. Um, Her username is Clockwood. If you want, like, any sort of astrology analysis, she has a really fast turnaround time. Like, I messaged her asking her if she'd be interested in this project. I heard back within, like, 15 minutes. And then I had the full, like, written document within a day. Like, she's amazing. If you want, like, any sort of astrology analysis done for your sun, moon, and rising or for, like, more planets in your birth chart, I would definitely recommend reaching out to her. She's very reasonably priced. Very fast, very sweet person. Um, I just really enjoyed working with her. So if you um, are not very big into astrology or you're still just learning like I am, like I'm also not very deep into astrology. I think sun, moon, and rising is really all I can um, really comment on uh, where I'm at with my journey. But if you are a beginner, I just want to go over a few of these terms really quick before we get started. So your sun sign is typically what most people say when they say their zodiac sign. It's where the sun was in your, it's where the sun was when you were born. So whatever sign the sun was located in, that has a direct impact on you. It's basically um, the core of your personality and what you tend to identify as. As for your moon, that is where the moon was when you were born. And that typically accounts for your subconscious and your emotional state of being. And then there's your rising sign, which is a little bit more complicated, which I don't quite totally understand. 
So I have this definition. It says it is the sign that was at the eastern horizon point from the viewpoint of your birth coordinates at the moment of your birth. So I believe that's like the angle um, the sun was tilted at at the time and location of your birth, um, which is why you need your exact birth time and where you were born to be able to calculate this. Um, and this tends to be the way that you present yourself to the world. So these are typically called your big three. Some people talk about their big three in astrology. It's typically your sun, moon, and rising sign. Um, for me, I'm a Capricorn moon. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> Wait a second. No, I'm a Capricorn sun. I'm a Gemini moon and I am a Leo rising. So yeah, let's get started. Let's take a look at the sun, moon, and rising for four um, not so fantastic dudes. Uh, coffee, which normally I really only make like good coffee on the weekends anymore. And then throughout the week, I just I use our little Keurig machine in the office, which, you know, no shade to anyone who uses a Keurig. It's just, it's not quite as flavorful or as strong as I would normally prefer it. So today I actually got up, I went down, I got my espresso machine ready to go. Um, I made a really nice double shot of espresso, steamed some oat milk, got a little marshmallow flavored coffee syrup. And it's just, it's lovely. And honestly, it's the best part of my weekends. That and being able to sleep in. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's get started. So what I did for this episode was I sent this astrologer the um, birth times and birth dates for four um, men with a little bit of dark history. So we're not going to be talking about places today. Um, unless you count like the dark places of your mind or the places where the planets might have had some sort of effect on who they ended up becoming. So let's get started. Our first um, person we're going to take a look at is John Wayne Gacy. And if you're not familiar with John Wayne Gacy, I'm not going to go um, very deep into his crimes. So let's just we're going to read his summary on Wikipedia really quick. So let's go over this really quick, just so that we have a little bit of background for John Wayne Gacy before we start talking about um, his birth chart. So John Wayne Gacy was born on the 17th of March in 1942 at 1229 in the morning in Chicago, Illinois, which makes him a Pisces sun, a Pisces moon, and a Sagittarius rising. John Wayne Gacy was an American serial killer and sex offender who assaulted and murdered at least 33 young men and boys. Gacy regularly performed at children's hospitals and charitable events as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown, personas that he had devised. And if you haven't seen it, please Google a photo of Pogo the Clown. It's honestly so scary. Like, everything is, everything is just very sharp. Um, he doesn't look like a friendly clown at all. Not that clowns really look that friendly in the first place, but it's just, it's very unnerving. It's very unnerving. Um, so he would perform these as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown. These are personas that he had devised. He became known as the Killer Clown due to his public services as a clown prior to the discovery of his crimes. 
According to Gacy, he committed all of his murders inside his ranch house near Norridge, a village in Norwood Park Township uh, in Chicago, Illinois. Typically, he would lure a victim to his home, dupe him into donning handcuffs on the pretext of demonstrating a magic trick, and then rape and torture his captive before killing him either by asphyxiation or strangulation with a garrote. 26 victims were buried in the crawl space of his home, and three others were buried elsewhere on his property. I think, if I remember correctly, isn't Gacy the one who lived with his grandma and just kind of had these bodies just chilling? I don't know if that was him or someone else, but either way, 26 people in your crawl space. My dude. My dude. Please. No. Ugh. The smell. The smell. Ugh. Three others were buried elsewhere on his property, and four were discarded into the De Plains River. Gacy was convicted of sodomy of a teenage boy in Waterloo, Iowa in 1968 and was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment, but, ser- but served 18 months. He murdered his first victim in 1972 and then murdered twice more by the end of 1975, and murdered at least 30 subsequent victims after his divorce from his second wife in se- 1976. The investigation into the disappearance of the De Plains teenager Robert Priest led to Gacy's arrest on December 21st, 1978. His conviction for the 33 murders by one individual then covered the most homicides in the United States legal history. Gacy was sentenced to death on March 13th, 1980. On death row at the Menard Correctional Center, he spent much of his time painting. He was executed by lethal injection at Stateville Correctional Center on May 10th, 1994. All right, so what do we have to say about John Wayne Gacy's birth chart? And again, we're not going into the full birth chart. We're just going to talk about sun, moon, and rising today. Um, John Wayne Gacy is a Pisces sun, a Pisces moon, and a Sagittarius rising. Pisces is known for being the chameleon of the zodiac, as well as being the most sensitive sign. Having his sun and moon in Pisces would make John Wayne Gacy significantly more sensitive than the average person. In theory, Pisces are deeply compassionate and it wouldn't hurt a fly. But in reality, if they've been severely emotionally wounded or traumatized, they will retreat into their own private world and become easily disconnected from reality. As the last sign in the zodiac, Pisces has a strong connection to the afterlife. So with the sun and moon in that sign, it makes sense that what lit him up and what fulfilled him emotionally was an obsession with death. Also, having one's sun and moon in the same sign tends to really narrow one's focus. In this case, it makes sense that that focus would be death. As a Sagittarius rising, he was likely a natural showman with a flair for the dramatic, and we definitely see that with Pogo and Patches the Clown. Those are very, very dramatic takes on clowns. Sagittarius Risings are extremely adventurous, so he wouldn't be afraid of taking big risks or being reckless. Sagittarius Risings can also be quite intelligent and tend to have better luck than most due to Jupiter, the planet of luck, being their chart ruler. If anyone thinks they can get away with something or outsmart something, it's a Sagittarius Rising. Pisces and Sagittarius are both mutable signs, so this combination of a big three could make someone quite unstable and chaotic. While Gacy might have had a positive attribute, while Gacy may have had positive attributes such as you know creativity and intuition and artistic vision, 
Mm, we definitely saw that when he was on death row and he created a lot of paintings. Um, from what I remember, they were pretty good, but can you just imagine having um, artwork by John Wayne Gacy on your wall? I can't. I can't. So while Gacy might have had these positive attributes, he also had the negative attributes of being overly sensitive, reactive, and secretive. You know, to me, that really hits him on the head. He's definitely, I mean, 33 young men and boys. I, I don't understand how you could do something like that unless you were someone who did tend to become disconnected from reality, who, who enjoyed risk and just, I felt like that was very good. For our next person, we are going to be looking at Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was born on November 24th, 1946 at 10.35 in the evening in Burlington, Vermont, which makes him a Sagittarius sun, a Sagittarius moon, and a Leo rising. So let's read this little summary that Wikipedia has for Ted Bundy. So Theodore Robert Bundy was an American serial killer who kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women and girls during the 1970s and possibly earlier. More than a decade of denials, he confessed to 30 homicides committed in seven states between 1974 and 1976. Bundy's true victim total is unknown and could be much higher. Bundy was regarded as handsome, charismatic, traits that he exploited to win the trust of his victims in society. He would typically approach his victims in public, feigning injury or disability or impersonating an authority figure. You know what? Side note, if anyone ever stops you and asks you for help, the safest thing you can do for yourself is just call someone. Just call someone. You know, you don't. It's perfectly okay to just walk away especially because you have people like this who will fake an injury or fake a disability and say oh I need help please help me and then pull you into their car it's it's absolutely terrifying so if you ever just feel uncomfortable don't worry about being polite just just call someone you know that's that's what we have public services for so yeah going back (laughs) He would typically approach his victims in public places feigning injury or disability or impersonating an authority figure before knocking them unconscious and taking them to a secondary location to rape and strangle them. Bundy sometimes revisited his victims grooming and performing sexual acts with the decomposing corpses until putrefaction and destruction by wild animals made further interactions impossible. That's what I want to trade first thing in the morning. I absolutely forgot about that. I must have, like, blacked that out of my memory. He decapitated at least 12 victims and kept some of them, kept some of the severed heads as mementos in his apartment. Listen, I keep weird stuff in my apartment too, but nothing like that. My man, please. Ugh. On a few occasions, he broke into dwellings at night and bludgeoned his victims as they slept. In 1975, Bundy was arrested and jailed in Utah for aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. He then became a suspect in a progressively longer list of unsolved homicides in several states, 
Facing murder charges in Colorado, he engineered two dramatic escapes and committed further assaults in Florida, including three murders. Before his ultimate recapture in 1978 for the Florida homicides, he received three three death sentences and two trials. Bundy was executed at the Florida State Prison in Ryford on January 24th, 1989. So let's look into the astrology behind Ted Bundy. Take a sip of coffee. By the way, if you are interested in Ted Bundy, um, please read The Stranger Just Beside Me by Anne Rule. Um, him and Anne Rule worked together at, um, I think it was the suicide hotline. And she described him as being really good at it. Um, and she wrote this book about Ted, who she knew very personally. And she doesn't, like, make excuses for him. She doesn't try to justify anything he did. It's just, it's a very well-written book. And if you are interested in Ted Bundy, I really recommend reading that. She's a wonderful author. Just a wonderful author. So, Ted Bundy. He is a Sagittarius sun, a Sagittarius moon, and a Leo rising. With the sun and moon in Sagittarius, a big part of Ted Bundy's life would revolve around adventure, spontaneity, freedom, and the pursuit of knowledge. And something that I actually learned from that book is he actually did enjoy to travel a lot. He did go to a bunch of different places. And how many... Where was it? 30 homicides committed in seven states. So yeah, he was definitely um, a person who was pretty nomadic in his life. Sagittarius sons are natural charmers who light up a room with their wit and intellectual prowess. Ted Bundy was very, that's very accurate for him. Though they tend to be easygoing, they can also have a quick temper that gets them into trouble. Hmm. With a Sagittarius moon, Bundy's unconscious emotional needs are something that could change from moment to moment. Sagittarius moons tend to change their minds pretty quickly and have the natural ability to move on from relationships, careers, homes, etc. Having a Leo rising. Also, I'm a Leo rising. <laughs> I didn't know. We were rising twins. Oh. <laughs> Having a Leo rising adds a lethal amount of power, charisma, and charm. That's true. I do have that. And the good looks would make him very difficult to say no to. Leo risings are ruled by the sun, so just being in their presence can literally make you feel warm and at ease. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) When a Leo rising has chosen you, they can make you feel like you're the only person in the world. Their natural enthusiasm, magnetism, and sociability makes them quite popular wherever they go. Mm, Not my experience. Sagittarius and Leo are both fire signs, so this combination would make someone extremely fiery in both negative and positive ways. He may have been quite passionate and magnetic, but he also likely had a temper with emotions that could turn on a dime and suddenly out of nowhere. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I would say that one's pretty accurate too. It's very interesting because I know they're... um. Yeah, a lot of what happens in our life is the result of our own choices, but it's interesting how your astrology does have an effect on it, but at the end of the day, it's your own choices that make you who you are. (laughs) All right, so our next person, we're going to go into someone who I actually have a really hard time um, with. I actually really struggle to watch or read or listen to anything about him. Like, this person is just too over the top for me, and this is Ed Gein. Ed Gein was born on the 27th of August in 1906. 
at looks like 1130 in the evening in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So let's read our summary on Ed Gein. Ed Gein, also known as the Butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul, was an American murderer and body snatcher. Gein's crimes committed around his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin, gathered widespread notoriety in 1957 after authorities discovered he had exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. Gein also confessed to killing two women, tavern owner Mary Hogan in 1954 and hardware store owner Bernice Ward Bernice Worden in 1957. Gein was initially found unfit to stand trial and confined to a mental health facility. By 1968, he was judged incompetent. He was judged competent to stand trial. He was found guilty of. Let me just start off this. Let me just start this whole paragraph over. Okay. So Gein was initially found unfit to stand trial and confined to a mental health facility. By 1968, he was judged competent to stand trial. He was found guilty of the murder of Worden. But he was found legally insane and remanded to a psychiatric institution. He died at Medota Mental Health Institute of, Re of Respiratory Failure on July 26, 1984, at age 77. He is buried next to his family in Plainfield Cemetery in a now unmarked grave. Which, to be honest, is probably a little too good for him. If, if you can stomach it, Please, please Google some of these trophies because he didn't just snatch these bodies. Like, he made things of them. Um, what most notably comes to mind is the nipple belt, which feels painful to even say. But yeah, that, that's good old Ed. That's good old Ed. So, what about his astrology? So, Ed Gein is a Virgo sun, a Sagittarius moon, and a Gemini rising. I love Sunday morning coffee. Even if I do have to talk about dumb little bitches like Ed Gein. Actually, you know, I would describe Ed Gein as literal ghoul. Little bitches. You know what? We'll get to it. After Ed Gein, don't worry. We have the biggest little bitch in history. <laughs> so don't worry. Um, but Ed Gein, he is a Virgo sun. A Sagittarius moon and a Gemini rising. Virgo suns are first and foremost perfectionists with impeccable attention to detail. Three of my five siblings are actually Virgo suns, so um, yeah, I'm very familiar with Virgo suns. I'm very, very familiar with Virgo suns. Yeah, very high attention to detail. They have very high standards for themselves and others and tend to be one of the most critical signs. They usually pick something practical that they're passionate about and then master that. Virgo sons can at times feel like they're in a prison of their own making due to their extremely high standards. It isn't unusual for them to seem a bit jaded or irritated by society. As seeing all the ways that others are doing things wrong, that can get a bit tiring. Sagittarius moons have a deep inner need for spontaneity, open spaces, and personal freedom. They need to live life on their own terms and won't let anyone or anything get in the way of that. They can't be tied down or... They can't be tied down and have the ability to move on from things or dissociate much quicker than others. Gemini Risings tend to be highly sociable, ambitious, intelligent, curious, and gifted with the art of communication. It's important to note that Gein's ascendant is conjunct Pluto, the planet of death and transportation, by two degrees, which majorly alters the interpretation. And this is according to um, 
Again, Fiverr user Clockwood. I'm not entirely sure what conjuncts mean. I'm not that far into astrology yet. Um, I would love to be, so I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, she wrote here, Pluto's presence here adds a darkness to Yin's personality. Mm. Physical appearance and indicates a very traumatic childhood. Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius are all mutable signs, so someone with these placements could be more chaotic and unstable than usual. This combination of earth, air, and fire would make Yin come across as quirky, analytical type with underlying darkness, thanks to Pluto. I'm looking at a picture of him right now and adds a darkness to their personality and physical appearance. Yeah, I can see that. It's just like his eyes just look dead. Like there's just nothing there. Um, something in his brain just was very, very cool with stealing dead bodies and making things out of them all very chill dad ed is uh i can't i can't even deal with ed it's i i last time i tried to watch a documentary on ed keen i think i got two minutes in before i had to turn it off he's just one of the few killers um people we discuss a lot in true crime that i cannot deal with i just cannot deal with ed gein you know who else i also can't deal with for our fourth and final person we're going to talk about today um the person whom i hate the most we're going to talk about dennis raider also known as the btk killer if you want a really really good episode about dennis raider please listen to morbid's episodes on it i think it's a three-part series um, Elena thinks it just so funny. She just makes fun of him the entire time and it's always has me rolling on the floor laughing and it just, it makes me very happy to see someone making fun of, um, Dennis Rader in that capacity because he is truly the biggest little bitch in all of true crime. Okay, so he actually has a pretty short, um, <laughs> so he actually has a pretty short summary on Wikipedia. But that's okay because I think he also has a very short amount of brain power in his life. There's a really good documentary on him on Discovery Plus, I think, um, where his daughter does interviews. But yeah, I can't say, I cannot stand this guy. He is, he is the worst. Um, so let's see what it says. It says, Dennis Lynn Raider was an American serial killer known as BTK. An abbreviation he gave himself for bind, torture, kill. <laughs> he if i remember correctly he um would write into newspapers all the time because he's such an intention-seeking person and this was one of his many many suggestions of what to call him and he had some fun ones i think he really should have stuck with the poetic killer so i can just picture him pushing aside his choppy dyed black bangs and doing a little hair flip and strolling into hot topic i don't know like i can't i can't ah so the btk strangler or the btk killer between 1974 and 1999 dennis raider killed 10 people in wichita and park city kansas and sent taunting letters to police and newspapers describing the details of his crime so after a decade-long hiatus raider resumed sending letters in 2004 leading to his 2005 arrests and subsequent guilty plea he is serving 10 consecutive life sentences currently at el dorado correctional facility and it doesn't mention it here but it's honestly like one of my favorite little um true crime facts is how he got caught okay so it doesn't say it in this article 
So I'm not quite sure entirely what he wanted their code word to be. But um, in one of his final letters to police, because he felt like he wasn't getting enough attention, because at this time people were speculating whether BTK was actually dead or not. Not good for people who like a lot of attention. Um, he was going to put some information on a floppy disk and ask the police if it could be traced or not. He said that if it was okay for him to do this, they would have to put an ad in the Wichita Eagle. I was supposed to say like, it's okay, Jack, or something like that. Something real stupid like that. And then, so he sent this floppy disk in and (laughs) because he's just like, hey, if I send this, can you trace it? And they're like, no, of course not. And then they get it. And they found that it was actually written um, in Microsoft Word, which saves every little bit of data associated with it. Not only that, he wrote it on a church computer under an account that he was signed into. So not only did they have a name, they knew the church he worked for. And it was just the dumbest, the dumbest way anyone has ever gotten caught for a murder ever, ever. I have not read <laughs> this analysis of a sun, moon, and rising. So let's let, let's look into it. Let let's see what what's going on in his birth chart. So Dennis Rader was born on the 9th of March in 1945 at 2.47 in Wichita, Kansas. 2.47 in the afternoon in Wichita, Kansas, which makes him a Pisces sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Cancer rising. Buddy, please don't be given as Capricorn's a bad name. Come on, I got over half my birth chart in Capricorn. Don't do this to me. (laughs) As mentioned, Pisces suns can be incredibly sensitive and have a tendency to live in their own dream world. While they generally have a creative and artistic, free-flowing nature to them, that could be modified by other aspects in the chart, specifically Raider's Capricorn moon. The moon is in detriment when it's in Capricorn, meaning that people with this moon sign can have an especially hard time in expressing their emotions. At their best, Capricorn moons can be tenacious, competent, and persistent. At their worst, they can seem dark, cold, calculated, and unemotional to others. In this case, with the Pisces sun, Raider would likely have a lot of complex emotions, but potentially be unable to express them in a healthy way. Cancer risings generally come across as warm, kind, and family-focused. You know what? This is actually true. So Dennis had his, had like a family and kids and none of them ever knew anything about this until he was arrested. He had managed to keep it completely hidden from them. They never suspected anything. He was a true, like, family man in their eyes, which is what probably made his arrest really confusing to them at first. Back to Cancer Risings. They can be quite sensitive to their environments and extremely protective of their loved ones. Cancer Risings' chart ruler is the moon, meaning that placement of their moon is especially important in the unfolding of their life. It can also mean that one's connection or disconnection to their mother will play an important role in their life. Interesting, interestingly... Raider's moon is in opposition to his ascendant, which likely made him feel overly dependent on his caregivers. And if you're not very familiar with astrology, your ascendant is is your rising sign. So ascendant and rising are kind of, I think, stand-ins for each other. Um, like you can use either or most of the time, as far as I'm aware anyway. Don't don't uh don't quote me on that. This placement can make people especially sensitive and overly emotional. Demanding of those closest to them, especially if they didn't get the attention they felt they needed as children. Oh, he definitely did not get the attention he needed. (sighs) 
he still probably thinks he does not get the attention he needs. Oh my God. <laughs> Capricorn and Cancer are both cardinal signs, meaning they are more ambitious and more prone to taking action. Cancer and Pisces are also both water signs, which tend to be more sensitive and emotional, which is in direct contrast to Capricorn, which is one of the least emotional signs. This combination of energies can make someone quite volatile and potentially at a time a bomb of unexp unexpressed emotions. Maybe that's why he wrote so many like odd <laughs> letters to um, newspapers and police. And again, I highly, highly recommend that morbid um, miniseries on it. Very, very good. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I hate Dennis Rader. I hate Dennis Rader. But yeah, those are our unscrupulous men we are going to take a look at today. Thank you so much for joining me for this fun little bonus episode. I actually had a lot of fun with this. You know, I feel like it let me know. Maybe we'll do more fun, like, side things like this. And we are going to get back on our virtual road trip next week. If you want a little hint on what's going to be coming, please keep an eye on our Instagram because we'll definitely be posting some hints about where we're going next. But we'll definitely return to our regular scheduled programming on April 17th. So keep an eye out for that. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode as well as our second part of The Watcher House. So thank you for hanging out with me this morning. I'll scare you guys soon. Have a great day. Bye. -bye.